0: It's a good
1: show. La, 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 some The 60s, what a decade. They had it all. And with it all came questions. These questions had to be answered, not by one person, but by a large group of people known as United Statesians. For example... Should we do drugs or should we not do drugs? Neil Diamond's answer is an unequivocal yes. Give me some pot. I don't know about that, though, because you listen to this song and there's
2: some really depressing confessionals going on right now, and I think that Neil's trying to make the point, he's being sarcastic in the verses, but he's trying to make the point that marijuana is a gateway drug to other drugs, which is a dumb point that's not true. The only gateway drug is terrible parents, like probably Neil Diamond's teenage children. They probably had Does he money. have kids? He was, his teenage know, children sure. are
3: terrible parents?
2: Never, no, he, never mind. Listen, this is what happens when I don't read my script and try to talk off the cuff. Got it.
0: <laughs> Wait, was it clearer in, on the script? No, it, okay. was,
1: it was not. Some other questions include, should we have a nuclear war, or would this not turn out well? Should we be hippies, or should we hate hippies? Did freedom give us the right to be free, or were we free to not be free? Should we rule the world, or should we rule the
0: world? I was so sensitive, you know, like Whoa. my my family.
1: That was yeah. There's was a, there's totally a lot of speechifying family, in this you know, song. How is J D. supposed to talk,
0: talk over this boy,
2: <laughs> with all this talking? <laughs> I'll try. i try to say uh, what I they're saying. Know, I, care if I, lived in I don't that, care. That, if many that, of that, our
1: that, finest you know, songwriters that, attempted to answer the, these questions and more by writing lyrics. Christo! A new breed of song word was born, the social conscience. This radical new approach quickly took its place alongside the other great traditions of American popular song, the teenage love song, the adult breakup song, and the racist novelty. But time passed, and none of the social conscience issues I just listed were ever resolved. Moreover, no one could keep track of when to use the noun, social conscience, or the adjective, socially conscious. We're going to lose the music a couple times because my doohickey uh, hookup to my computer is loose.
2: The fault of my old computer. No, not your fault, listeners, so just bear with us. It's not your fault. We're it's talking over the music
0: anyway. Two years. I never felt much like I was <laughs> much
2: of anything in, my whole, in my whole life. I might have fixed
1: it. Somewhere. Go ahead, Steve. All right. So, yeah, we're basically what I'm saying is the social conscience sort of fell out of fashion. J. Edgar Hoover wrote a letter to the social conscience encouraging it to commit suicide. And Richard Nixon put the social conscience on his enemies list. Isolated and forlorn, the social conscience sadly slipped into his cave and decided that maybe now was a good time to get into whiskey. But lo, a savior appeared, and his name was the middle-aged rock critic. <laughs> keeping, the, keeping the burning spirit of the 60s alive in the go-go 80s, the middle-aged rock critic remembered when Rock and Roll Rebellion changed the world. This approach had certainly proven lasting and effective the first time around, and there was no reason to think it wouldn't wake up all those selfish yuppies and save us from Ronald Reagan. The middle-aged rock critic railed against frivolous good time music that ignored all our many problems and made people feel happy and nagged and nagged for the social conscience to make a comeback. And increasingly, he got his wish. Do you ever write
3: yourself as a hero into your own scripts?
1: These these rock critics were middle-aged when I was a kid. Ah. I'm I'm now a middle-aged rock critic looking back on... You're My heroes. forebears yeah. You're just holding up Listen, the mirror, man we're, yeah. all,
0: we're all the hero in our own stories, aren't we? Yes Yeah Duh We like to think we are
1: We identify with figures that resonate through similarities And, and through that we come to understand ourselves We're so close to the end of this <laughs> Some artists specialized in socially conscious material Others did not but the middle aged rock critic was loud and bitter enough to wake some of those other artists up about how important it was for them to try their hand at songs about important issues of our time. Just not very often and with barely any practice. And those are the toe dipping woke folks we'll be looking at today in a genre that Hunter has dubbed Token Wokens.
0: Good job, Hunter to be fair i said woken tokens but steve but i'm not
1: i'm not gonna claim credit for flipping that around well you 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 should it's (laughs) It's america
2: this is the beyond yacht rock podcast we're the podcast on the internet that you love because we create new genres every week and we count down the top songs in that genre from 10 to 1 my name is jd risnar hello i'm hollywood steve captain today i'm hunter and i'm dave (laughs) oh man that's gonna confuse everyone (laughs) <laughs> that was—they that was, said the wrong name, So flip it, everyone. We're the guys, and who, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> we're the guys who created the yacht rock genre, and so we know that's why you like us and you like the genre so much. So we're gonna throw a bone to that genre as we do every week. Uh, JD, what song are we listening to right Wait, now?
0: JD, hold on. What on. song are we listening to right now? Because I thought we were gonna listen to that terrible. When were we going to listen to oh. that terrible uh, uh, Seals and Croft song? Oh,
2: that's not a Yacht Rock song. <laughs> I
0: know it's not. I, I thought you are still going to make us yeah. listen to it. Oh, that.
2: no, no, no. We're throwing a bone to the, the Yacht Rock genre. This song is by Dave Rayner. It's called Leave Me Alone Tonight. What's the first name you think of when you hear the term smooth music, Hunter? Dave. Uh,
1: Santana Dave?
2: and Rob Thomas? Dave, uh,
1: Did I get Steve? it? Uh, rap duo
2: Nice and Smooth? That's wrong. Uh, the correct answer is... Was it Dave, Dave? Dave Rayner. Oh, Not just Dave, Dave Rayner. And this uh, is his hit song, Leave Me Alone Tonight, off his 1981 Raynor Shine album. It's the one with the iconic cover of Dave, his legs crossed in black bow bottoms, leaning on his black guitar case, giving him the appearance of two giant legs. It's true. You look at a thumbnail
3: of this album cover, and it looks like something is really, really wrong with his legs. It's hilarious.
2: (laughs) It's raining legs! I'll tell you what's not wrong with this guy, his ability to produce smooth music. This song is great. Personnel though, that's a bit of a mystery. I searched far and wide, and even the great La Bible de la West Coast Music says the musicians on this album are unknown. So, you want to get a copy of vinyl to get a peek of the personnel yourself? Well, that's going to cost you 100 bucks on Discogs for this rare album, and you don't even know if the musicians are going to be on there. It's a gamble. A gamble with knowledge. <laughs> you
0: don't even know if they're going to be on there.
2: Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Um, so, Dave Rayner, who is this guy? He was coming off his stint as lead singer of the Marijuana Compadres, oh, going
1: bad, going solo. Yeah, with that's his,
2: that's not a ripoff of the Doogie with Brothers. The signature is. falsetto <laughs> baritone uh, and his love of bouncy, smooth music. Do you hear that marijuana bounce we all know and love? <laughs> there it is. But seriously. Uh, Dave was just a musician, uh, mostly guitar player in Washington State, trying to make a living doing jingles. He recorded an album incorporating the popular style of 81, which was Yacht Rock, and the rest is history. Actually, history ends about there. He did play guitar for Denise. Let's hear it for the boy Williams in the late 80s. He was her musical director. Uh, Lucky for us... Dave's not as mysterious as the musicians on his album, thanks to his profile on bandmix.com, which I think is like LinkedIn for musicians. According to his profile, he's been in the biz for 35 years, played over 100 gigs. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. His level of commitment is very committed, and he practices three times a week. He's available to gig six to seven days a week. And his best availab- av- availability is in the morning, <laughs> when all the best gigs are. <laughs> that's yeah? why.
1: That's why this song is called "Leave Me Alone Tonight." <laughs> yeah. He's got to get up in the morning for a gig. Um,
2: He'll be at 110 in no time. Under the equipment tab, Dave boasts, I have 30 30 guitars and 10 harmonicas. Whoa! I have any and all gear needed for most any situation.
0: This is classic Dave stuff Uh, right here, talking about how many instruments he has. I was
2: Denise. Let's hear it for the boys' guitar player slash singer slash music director between 1985 and 1994. I am also a Grammy Award winning solo writer. So... I guess he can bring his Grammy along with all his guitars? Yeah. It's it's hard to carry that many guitars. Does he say what he won a Grammy for? Nope. Singing and songwriting? Songwriting. One of his songs must have won a Grammy. Not one that he recorded, because this album is unknown, but... Whoa. It's a good fucking song. Took us to Brazil for a second. You yeah, with that Brazilian disco whistle? Yeah. <laughs> um... So yeah, he, he also—I I gave someone one of those once. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: Mr. Rayner also lists his influences on the site, which are no surprise based on his independently achieved super yachty sound. His influences are Larry Carlton, Lee Ritenour, and Michael McDonald, which may be a different guy from the one we know because he spelled it M I C H E A L, which is a common mistake that I often make and it is just a bandmix.com
1: profile It's not yeah, like, I, I wish i would have read not like he wrote it himself <laughs> that's, that's some solid research jd it
0: is good research i feel like i've heard the story before i wish i would have read further on your uh, on your what's the first name you think of when you i thought we were going to make fun of dave on that oh yeah, that's what i was going you wanted something funny i thought we were just going to poke at dave for not knowing stuff about Yahoo. yeah
2: Rock. it's funny cuz you answered correctly but i had to pretend you didn't for my bit to work wasn't even that good a bit. Uh, you want to talk about uh, Woken Tokens? Let's talk about
1: some Woken Tokens. Or is it Token? Token Wokens. <laughs> Which is going to the whole time now that we've...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, my, my first choice of, of stuff that I said was uh, Mother to Record Sales. <laughs> mm-hmm. We also considered Try and Wokes to stay on mm-hmm. brand with the Try
1: and Raps episodes. We had lots of good ideas. But this one, and some this of us didn't Ryan. pay
3: attention to the entire
1: conversation. Because you were busy. Yeah. For the last 20 years or so, we've had South Park around to make fun of self-important celebrities who advocate for social causes in off-puttingly preachy ways that annoy everybody. But before that, if anyone can still remember a time before South Park, America used to bitch at its celebrities for not using their considerable public platforms as megaphones for anything important, for just living shallow, self-congratulatory lives of wealth and glamour and unearned prestige. So regardless of what celebrities do, Americans will tell them that they think they're so cool but they're not so what's the best way for a privileged out of touch celebrity to develop a social conscience when they're new to this sort of thing well first of all you pick an issue that it's really really easy to be right about so you don't fuck it up drugs are bad we learned that from South Park too nuclear war is not good homelessness bad the environment that's good and we should save it the best economic system for efficiently utilizing and fairly distributing resources? No 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 don't just stay far away from that one. Child abuse? Oh boy is that bad. Totally opposed to child abuse. A lot of people say we should hear both sides of every issue, but man, tough tough to keep an open mind there. I don't know about that. You
2: talked to Ted Nugent, the Who, the Rolling Stones. Benny Mardone's, etc. They've all covered the child abuse is awesome side of the argument. Yeah, wasn't that episode nineteen of Beyond Yacht Rock? That yep. tracks. That tracks, yeah, listen that to it. One. There's some disgusting Check people out. out there that Check think out. child abuse is fun and awesome and deserves a rock song to to sing
1: about it positively. It's a very specific form of child abuse that they're committing, which yes. is banging teenagers. Still child abuse. Or younger. Yep. Or younger. <laughs> But most people know what side of the issue they should take publicly,
0: especially now that the culture has changed. I thought he just wrote a song.
2: Yeah, about his dog walker. Yeah, he wrote a song about how much he wants to bang a 16 year old. Okay, I Benny just... Mardonis at 40 bangs a 16 year old. as child abuse. He's not singing a token woken about that topic, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and at 40, he looked like he was about 80. Yeah. So that makes it even <laughs> grosser.
1: Well, he did a lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. A pretty notorious for it anyway, now that you've got your moral clarity, unless you're Benny Mardonis you're basically going to be writing about one of two things, a global problem that won't really be affected by individual action, or a sad personal situation that you yourself has pr- have probably not experienced, so let's take this song, this was the debut hit for 90's house music diva Crystal Waters apparently that's her real name it's not like some clever play on words. It was a stage name. No, it was it, a clever play on words, but by her parents. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's not a stage name play on right. words. Uh, this is called Gypsy Woman, parentheses, she's homeless. It's a debut, so it doesn't really, like, the Token Woken is kind of a, a suddenly developed social conscience. I couldn't really count this as a sudden one because it was her first song, although you can make the case that it's a sudden social conscience for the entire genre of house music. And this is the part of the song everyone remembers, where she just goes la da la-da-da, over and over and over and over again.
0: This is because, the part where we dance homelessness away. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah, because otherwise, without this, it's just depressing and hard to dance to. Uh, the record company ended up adding that She's Homeless subtitle because Crystal got upset that nobody was listening to the verses. And uh, she talked in an interview, I found, about writing the song about this homeless woman she saw every day who sang gospel songs for money. And she always had her hair and makeup done. And Crystal was always, why don't you get a job instead of asking me for money? Taking my tax dollars. Until uh, the new, there was a newspaper article about that very same woman and how she'd lost her job in retail. And then Crystal realized that homelessness could happen to anyone, not just bad people who deserve bad things to happen to them. So that's the attitude we're dealing with in the singer who wasn't even rich or famous yet when she wrote her toe dip. Yet into, When she wrote her Yet
2: <laughs> I like that her solution Is uh, to homelessness Is La da dee La da da Yes la-da-dee. What should we do La da dee La da
3: da La da I think it's commentary About just saying La da dee La de da Just
1: dry, Just Putting the homelessness Out of your head Yeah that's true Yeah Just dance it away yeah. Supposedly This is the song That the homeless woman Is singing for money Okay Wow It wasn't very good I see why she's homeless Yeah, it, yeah exactly Not like Crystal Waters, 90s house music diva, who released at least three albums. Yeah, hot stuff. I didn't really research that very well. I like this genre. I'm excited for this countdown. Well, I've set the stage for it, so you want to get into it? Sure do.
2: Number 10. That was an all-typewriter version of Nothing You Can Do About It by Airplay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Nice.
1: So this is... uh... Wait, this isn't Bruce Springsteen.
3: Sounds like uh, Starship uh, from Knee Deep in the Hoopla got their hands on this. (laughs) It's a beautiful day on the Golden Gate Bridge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is the the two live crew band in the USA Before I put this in I went back to Rock Bands Episode 7 To see if Hunter had already put it in a countdown And uh You know, our listeners Remember Episode 7 as if it were yesterday So obviously I can't be duplicating content But it was only the intro example So I felt clear Uh, That and it's
0: a terrible episode So don't worry
1: and uh it's also some terrible rapping here uh your 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 wokeness is no more token it can't be more token than if your group was previously known for the songs me so horny dick almighty the fuck shop throw the dick and we want some pussy and those those are just the ones i picked that had the dirty titles There's, there's a bunch more shit in that catalog it's really fun if you're like 13 and super horny and you've never heard anything dirty before. It's also I, fun if you're 40. And yeah, you just I love just love had a really great time. Words. Yeah. Just now. I mean, dick
2: Almighty, Especially honestly, honestly kind of holds up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, a, fuck, the fuck shop is really good, too, because it's about a store where you can go buy some fucks. Oh, great. It's like in
2: yeah. Amsterdam yeah, where exa- the ladies yeah. are in the window. Yeah, exactly. Except in America.
1: Fun fact about the Fuck Shop, it's the first time I ever heard Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen. <laughs> oh. Uh, so unlike most of the artists on this countdown, the two live crew decided to dip their, sh- their toes into the shallow end of the protest pool for the same reason that so many other Americans finally develop a sense of empathy. Something bad happened to them personally. Uh, their 1989 album, As Nasty As They Want To Be, was ruled obscene and illegal to sell by a Florida judge, and the group was arrested on obscenity charges during a live performance. They were acquitted. Everything was overturned, but the whole episode established the blueprint for scoring political points by grandstanding about rappers, which was later employed by everyone from Bill Clinton to Dan Quayle to, most recently, the city of Philadelphia versus Meek Mill. Yeah, he's been, re- been uh, released from jail now. You'll be glad to know if you haven't kept up with that sort of thing. I feel like a
3: lot of people get arrested for obscenity in Florida, like Jim Morrison Ted
1: Bundy, Eminem. I think it's pretty low stakes. Yes, that was what Ted Bundy was arrested for in Florida. <laughs> it was obscenity. <laughs>
3: go, uh, what, what's the Florida State... Uh... Seminoles. Yeah, go Seminoles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this was the two live crew's only single that in the Pop Top 20, mostly because it was the only one that could be played on the radio. And it was the title track of the very first album ever. To carry the uh, the RIAA Parental Advisory Explicit Lyrics sticker. Which was cool. Yeah, that it told kids cool. what they should
0: buy. Yeah, yeah. They
1: had
2: it on a t shirt. Yeah. If throw the Dick would have been a huge hit if they had just cut back a couple of the F bombs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because
1: it shows up most places, with Throw the D. Like, you don't know when you look at it what the D is. You gotta listen to the song to find out. It's the Dick? Yes, it is the okay. Dick. So I want to do with with all these songs I want to kind of evaluate how successful their token woken in wokenism is like you know some of these some of these guys are going to pull this off better than others some of them are not going to pull it off at all some of them might, you know, maybe they maybe they do it okay so how successful is this one like this the subject matter is in their wheelhouse it's not too embarrassing I think it made a, a
2: real point too I think they they really had a had a reason to stand on their soapbox. Did this happen during Bill Clinton, or was this this, this is before Bill Clinton? Yeah, it goes. would have this happened during Bill Clinton. I think. Bill yeah. Clinton, Bill Clinton was a piece of shit. Let me tell you that much. What a garbage president he was in the long run. Anyway, (laughs) I heard stories about him when he was still a governor. Yeah, just like,
3: oh, this Bill, he gets all the women. Man, this guy fucks.
2: Yeah, I'm just talking about how he treated black people and crime and and all that stuff. He was a garbage person.
1: But also, you notice Bill Clinton didn't attack the Two Live Crew when he was running for president because he liked sex. He attacked Sister Soldier who was like a leftist rapper, political rapper. Who? You should never do that. Why did he do that? What? He's
2: just garbage. Well, no wonder Hillary Clinton lost. What black American is going to vote for that girl, that lady's hut, there, that that dude's wife? I totally get it. Anyway, uh, there's some. Uh, there's Sorry, some arth- I, I have arthritis in my lower back. I've just found you out. You said of. it
3: was a small amount.
2: It, was, it is a small amount. You but said that, it was nothing to worry about. Yeah, I know. But now it's it's making me grumpy. Oh. It's
1: symbolically, it's a life transition too that you can't I see. feel. You know, great about you got to you know you got to be a little cranky now that you've got arthritis. So, Here's the biggest the biggest problem with this song is that it's 1990 and the rapping is still kind of sub Run DMC level. So I, I I always wonder like is that what ruined their career doing sex raps or was it more that their songs just didn't seem all that naughty after they had Professor Henry Louis Gates Jr testify in court on behalf of their artistic value. Like, did that just blow the whole, you know, forbidden appeal of it? I don't know.
2: Yeah, they they don't rap too good, do they?
0: I think it was because they stopped the cocaine trade in in Miami. Miami. Yeah. The party stopped. number nine you know that one beat it
2: ride like the wind ah.
1: sounded like typing <laughs> <laughs> type like the wind uh, this is the B-52s with Channel Z fun fact about this song this was the first single off of Cosmic Thing the album that also contained Love Shack and Rome Love Shack which is still ubiquitous 30 fucking years later the only reason people don't like it is that they've heard it 900 times now Love Shack was deemed less likely to sell records right off the bat by their record company than this song. Why? Probably because they were thinking of the B-52s as one of those weird college radio bands. And what do college kids want to hear nowadays? They want to hear overly poetic, socially conscious songs about the environment and how nuclear war is probably going to turn out badly. Ah, right, this one might work. Fred's saying some stuff. He sounds aware that these issues exist, sure, throw it out there. That's
3: exactly what this was. It, the college radio started playing this right on the heels of uh, R.E.M.'s Green. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And everybody expected this to be the next uh, thoughtful think piece like uh, that song, Stand.
1: <laughs> uh, Fred just used the portmanteau uh, which I assume is a mashup of politician and hypocrite. That never caught on because he only says it once and he spends a lot more time wondering where his umbrella is. (laughs) He'll say, Where's my umbrella? Is that in this song? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then later on he sings it, Where's my umbrella? You listen for it later on. He must have been like, Girls, get off your high horse.
2: Let me do my umbrella line. I've been trying to get into every song.
1: Uh, even So even though this was not Love Shag, it actually was not unsuccessful for what they were trying to do. Like, he didn't make the pop charts, but it was number one for three weeks on the modern rock chart, which was what they called alternative back then. You know, it just kind of pales in comparison with the inescapable party juggernaut that came after it. I, you know, I argue that Love Shack is also a
2: Woken Token, because you think about it. Uh, get along! We're all not so different, are we? Everybody bring your jukebox money, because a Love Shack is a microcosm of socialism!
3: You know? I think it was just a big fuck shack in the woods. Yeah, probably that, too.
0: <laughs> I thought it was a real estate scam.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's got a tin
1: roof that rusted. What the fuck? Yeah, it's, quaint. Here? it's quaint. It's quaint.
0: It's quaint people have fun there
1: <laughs> so I, I tried to figure out what the hell channel Z was because it doesn't seem to have that much connection to all to all the issues that Fred is just here,
0: here. <laughs> see that was worth it right yeah, yeah I was wondering why your eyes were darting around waiting <laughs> not knowing if you should talk <laughs>
1: Uh, so channel Z is apparently a radio station that the band made up that only plays static and according to Wikipedia the station's motto is all static all day forever see is I it, I think it's a metaphor it's just like commercial radio and how it never gives you the real information that you need man mm-hmm. it's all just static in the end right man?
2: Right. And then they came up with, Love Shack came out, and then they were a part of the static of boring yeah, yeah. radio that we hear today.
0: I always thought this song was about the uh, Z Channel. You ever heard of that? Oh, I mean, yeah, there was like a the,
1: documentary at, like, the TV station.
0: Yeah, it was, like, the first pay uh, station for, like, artsy-fartsy cinema. Yeah, there was a
1: documentary about that that I never watched it was in my Netflix queue for a long time.
0: I had no idea this was a...
1: Token Woken?
0: Token Woken. That's what it is.
1: This is, yeah, this is... Uh, you know, they, they, they mostly did party stuff. I mean, you know, they, they're not, like, completely opposed to social issues, but, you know, all the stuff they were known for before this was, like, Rock Lobster and, and Planet it was, Claire. it is a fun song. They're showing that you can have fun while becoming uh, woke. So are we going are we going to call this a, a basically successful token wogan? Like it's not it's not a hugely uncomfortable right, departure. It's your, it's your list. <laughs> well, he's interviewing us, so we're, oh, right, we're both. Oh. No. I I I'm, I'm offering you I'm asking you a question, is this artistically successful? We know it fits the category. I'm asking, does it succeed on its own artistic merits? I, I don't
2: think so, because I think Hunter thought they were talking about HBO for art films, and I think they're just partying and having a fun time. Yeah, I think they're just banging. I don't even know what I'm supposed
1: to be mad about. Well, you're supposed to be mad about space guns. Laser bombs. <laughs> oh, that's sort of, that sort of yeah, okay. What about uh, umbrellas? What about umbrellas?
3: Lack of umbrellas. Uh, not uh, being
1: able to find your umbrella, that's very <laughs>
3: infuriating. Yeah.
1: Only when it's raining. Yeah. 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 It's not, if you don't have your umbrella, you're not going to be able to protect yourself from the nuclear bombs falling. That's why I keep one in my car.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, I think, I, I don't think it's a good I think they should
1: have consolidated
2: their message. Maybe just lost umbrellas, maybe just laser guns. Yeah. I'm lost.
0: Laser guns are pretty cool, though.
2: Yeah, yeah but why? So why would you a protest song against laser guns? I don't
0: know.
1: Yeah, and get it together, B-52s. That's what I say. Uh, they, this they did end up. This wasn't complete. This at the time it was a token woken, but on their next album, good stuff. They ended up doing a few more socially conscious <laughs> songs too.
3: I rewatched the good stuff video for the first time probably since I was about 15 today. Oof! Apparently, good stuff is a handful of foam. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. And he blows some foam.
1: Good stuff, baby. I couldn't call it cum shack, I guess. <laughs> I could have. All right, so here's my Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Right, I have one last question. <laughs> okay. If you're trying to raise issues or raise awareness of social issues, does it help or hinder the cause to hear them name-checked in Fred Schneider's voice? Helps if they have a
2: cohesive cause. The man Kids are hungry. Send them money for food. Ten dollars will get them a year's worth of wheat. You know, that's I would I would give money to that cause. I think it sounds like a scam. Yeah,
3: yeah that's like that real estate scam. Pretty, but it's a memorable but, scam, right? That's awfully affordable wheat. <laughs> You're gonna have to buy in bulk. <laughs> that's a tragedy. It's awfully of, affordable, of world affordable wheat.
0: Yeah. Nah.
2: Number eight. Any guesses? That was it, Rosanna. Sure it, was. Uh, I was way off. Um, oh, does this have an intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can go, you okay. can go ahead and keep start talking.
1: Yeah, this is this is when 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 the music actually kicks in. You're going to hear that it's uh, the song "Pass It On Down" by Alabama. Uh, it's kind of like the Crystal Waters song in that it's uh, it's a suddenly developed social conscience for the overall genre. <laughs> in a way. Uh, This is from 1990, just before American oil barons started to reframe climate change as a right-versus-left culture war issue, which uh, vastly increases the chances that we won't do enough about it, and all of our non-rich grandchildren will boil alive in their own skins. Um, Nowadays, to me, it's much harder to imagine a pro-environmentalist country song, which is what this is. Although Brad Paisley did do one not too long ago called Gone Green, but he's as close as male country stars get to openly liberal, so, you know. Yeah,
2: my well, name is Brad Paisley. Might as well call himself Brad Homo Pattern. Oh. Hey, hey, here comes Brad Homo Pattern. his Pink F-350. Dang jizz shitter gonna lecture us about why we all have cancer now. Yeah, fuck him, man.
3: J.D., great, great use of jizz shitter.
2: That's what the hillbillies call
1: homosexuals jizz shitters. That's what it's for. Is that true? No,
2: David invented it, but I bet
1: hillbillies would love that insult. It sounds very hickish. It really does. So I I have a story about uh, country and... Uh, Naturalism or environmentalism So when I was a weird nerdy kid Growing up in Louisiana I liked animals a lot Like a lot of kids do For a while my favorite magazine Was Ranger Rick Which was put out by The World Wildlife Fund A.K.A. The Real WWF Oh yeah I'm a fucking raccoon Oh yeah I'm gonna body slam a
2: rhino Into environmentalism I'm fucking Zelda Possum Bitch uh, <laughs> wow, you know it well. Yeah, I remember. You see you how excited he got. You don't remember says? Zelda Possum? No, I never read Ranger Rick. Oh, I just I know that I read, but thing. I don't remember Zelda. Out
1: that was the old, That's the only other animal character name I remember because it was memorable. Uh, anyway, finding trying to find other things I might like. Uh, Adults ended up, I somehow ended up with a subscription to a magazine called Louisiana Conservationist. <laughs> it was this nature magazine that was put out by the State Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Uh, so it was slanted towards hunters and fishermen. And so here I am, like five or six, just wanting to look at pictures of animals. Check that out. Yeah, did you get that magazine? Uh, no, I took that up. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, I wanted to read stories where animals are characters and can talk. And half the articles in that magazine have the clear subjects of, hey, let's kill and eat these things uh, for sport and uh, also deliciousness. My
2: dad subscribes to Bird Dog Magazine. (laughs) It's all about the kind of dog he has.
1: (laughs) It's not not about the Everly Brothers song? Yeah, he's Bird Dog. Bird dog. Dog
2: Magazine.
1: He's a bird. Uh, Anyway, I didn't like uh, Louisiana Conservationist But the point I want to make Off of Louisiana Conservationist As an adult who enjoys the taste of animal flesh In the end The purpose of that magazine was to preserve nature So it can continue to nourish us And if environmentalists aren't making That basic argument in rural areas That probably lean politically conservative Then they're wasting opportunities That we increasingly don't have time to waste If we're going to pass it on down To our children and grandchildren yeah, these
2: progressives that all the other Democrats saying are too far to the left, they're the ones that are going to go to the country and go, You know, that factory dumping waste isn't doing it because America, they're doing it. To, they're, they're ruining your hunting grounds, guys. You can't
1: fish no more." Yeah it's there's that. a lot of memes about fishing out there that used to be coffee mug slogans, but now they're memes. <laughs>
3: hmm. Kind of, I think coffee mugs might have been the original memes. Yeah, you had a good point there. Coffee wow. mugs and bumper stickers. Yeah, I got someone I need to talk to this about.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, Alabama had 33 number one country singles. This only hit number three, though. and uh, It was number two in Canada because they also liked the environment and uh, hunting and fishing and outdoorsmanship up there. Uh, this album went platinum. Uh, also, uh, Exxon and Shell knew about climate change in the 1980s and covered it up. I always liked Alabama. Yeah. Same
3: person I need to talk to about those memes. You know I listen to Alabama yeah. sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm going to, uh, so that we're going to, uh, that's part of how I want to evaluate this song and whether it's creatively successful or not. Now, this is probably not the Alabama that we'd throw on the stereo if Tony Zaret was in town and that's we were all the drunk guy. at 1 a.m. Yeah. No, that's more uh, play me
3: some mountain music. If uh, you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle, fiddle in, in the, the band. band. It's yeah.
1: basically those
3: two songs. Uh there was uh there was another really sad one about daddy was a truck driving man or something I don't know I'll look it up. It's about the decline of unions. Yeah.
2: And how he didn't make it a living wage. I, I got an issue right now. The What's way I'm that? sitting my penis has gone completely asleep. This has never really? happened to me before. Has this ever happened to you guys? No. Yeah, it happened
0: I, last week at your thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm feeling
2: my penis. I can't. I'm touching the tip of my penis right now, and I cannot feel it Stop at all. Stop touching. So. It's incredible. And I, I gotta adjust. I gotta change the way I'm sitting so the. the oh, I bet it'll tickle. Careful. Once the blood comes back, I'll keep you guys posted. Okay,
3: great. Let us, uh, let us know when
1: uh, the blood flows back into your dong. <laughs> So, point in favor of this song, it advances the argument I just said people should be advancing, so that our grandchildren don't boil alive in their own skins. But also, is this too preachy to listen to repeatedly? Like, it kind of just makes you feel bad. They even, say, yeah, there's a line there. We should all feel a little bit guilty. That's not something Americans want to hear pretty much ever, because it opens up too big a can of worms for most people to handle. So, how do we, how do we feel about the the artistic success of? of Alabama's Pass It On Down, guys. Yeah, I guess it is a big
2: guilt trip. It probably would have been better to be like, we got to take some action. We got to get out in the streets.
1: Yeah, we got to aim our rifles straight at the heart of pollution. Yeah, take your pickups and block the highway
2: until they make fuel-efficient cars.
3: (laughs)
1: What do you think their audience thought of this song? It was a number three country hit. So it can't have been, I mean, it wasn't a number one country hit, and most of Alabama's songs hit number one. So maybe, I don't know, is this like rebuke? But, it, you know, the album went platinum.
2: This was 1990. Do you guys remember 1990 was Earth Day Fever? They had that oh, Earth yeah. Day Network yeah. special, and like
3: yeah. everybody was It was going, a new thing. Back. And they yeah. found out, like, the people at Earth Day left something like 27,000 tons worth of trash behind. <laughs> <laughs> Basically made their own landfill. Were you we gonna say hunters?
0: I know. I, I, I was just gonna say that most hunters and fishermen and whatnot, outdoorsmen, are conservationists in a way. Yeah. In their own way. So. Well, I think
3: Fred Bear himself said if he uh, put some rifles into more of uh, young kids' hands, he wouldn't have as much violence. Wasn't that?
0: Well, that was a different. Wasn't the end of Fred Bear? Uh, yeah, it was. But that was a different. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. Just saying, I think a lot of... J.D., play, play Fred Bear. <laughs> I, I think you have to be quite the uh, uh, bought-and-paid uh, ideologue to be against the message of this song, so... Yes, shooting. There, there are more than a few ba- bought-and-paid ideologues, though. Yeah, but most of them aren't at home listening to the radio. They're out hunting fish. <laughs> <laughs> and Any guesses? Seven. The soundtrack to Stomp. After the Love Is Gone. Oh. After yeah. the Love Is uh, Gone. Wait a minute, are these all Yacht Rock songs? Yeah. Ah. I'm pretty sure they've been all been the soundtrack to Stomp.
3: Yeah, I thought I heard it sucks to get fucked by Jesus by the band Schlong, but I could be I could be wrong.
1: Oh, here's a song. Here's, it certainly is a song. The follow-up to Love in an Elevator is this song about child molestation. Great uh, harmonies at the end of
3: Love in an Elevator. Yeah, Oh, yeah, really Rivals, good. Rivals, my favorite harmonies at the end of the song, of course. It's
1: almost Beach boys Yes, just, just like Paradise. Oh, good harmonies. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is Janie's Got a Gun. <laughs> By Aerosmith. Uh, I looked up some facts about this song. It was originally called Danny's Got a Gun. Ooh, didn't like the Loggins in... and Messina song. Yep. <laughs> uh, didn't turn into a song about incest until Steven Tyler read an article in Newsweek about gun violence. I'm not quite clear on the connection there. In concert, he often changes the line, he jacked a little bitty baby, baby back to the original, less radio-friendly, He raped a little bitty baby Uh, Either way no one turns a phrase Quite like Steven Tyler Wait a second You expect me to believe Steven Tyler reads Newsweek (laughs) Hey that's what it said in Wikipedia There's a lot of lies and inaccuracies In Wikipedia Hey Joe
0: hand me that Newsweek
1: Uh, That's a nugget
3: Steven (laughs) Alright Honorary remembers nugget a lot of poop and amputees. <laughs> Sometimes you get both in one shot.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, good thing good thing the internet came along and made fetishes way weirder. Uh, this was the second single from the album Pump, which was the most commercially and creatively successful album of Aerosmith The Sober Years. And it was a top 5 hit but more importantly MTV played the video about every 20 minutes or so such if a, memory serves it me such yeah. a boring video it's so, so boring it was real cinematic looking. It was directed by David Fincher. Yeah, but who wants to watch the same three minute movie twenty times
2: in a day? A day? I could, didn't fucking want to do it. You just, a good one. You could just look at the album cover
3: that was two trucks humping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was called sh- Pump. That <laughs> should have been great. the video, like exactly. video of the two
2: trucks humping.
3: The yeah. trucks
1: truck should have been the characters in this song. Janie's got a gun. <laughs>
0: That's
1: the
3: sequel to Cars. We haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my uh, I had a girlfriend in 8th grade Got me uh, got me pump on cassette For a Christmas yeah, that's, gift That's the format I own pump
1: on yeah. But yeah this song is like Important with a capital I But I was like 14 I just wanted to see more hot girls on TV So my feelings about this song Are already kind of poisoned by Overexposure uh, And apparently some other people Didn't like this song because they were afraid It would encourage copycat murders By daughters whose fathers had raped them I mean, not a bad. Not the worst copycat murder. No, I, I, yeah. I think, I, I, if I remember right, I think something like that actually happened in my hometown. And it was like, you know, they weren't going to charge her with anything because the fuck are they going to do that for? Her. Because because they'd they had all watched, he's right. got a gun they 2,000 should, they times. They should
3: blame Aerosmith. <laughs> like Judas Priest got blamed.
1: <laughs> it's Aerosmith's fault for Ter- Turbo this great victim gun yeah. vengeance. Uh, I found a weird, creepy interview with Steven Tyler Oh, this is From songfacts.com Steven Tyler admitted to Rolling Stone That he was attracted to his daughter Liv Said Tyler How can a father not be attracted to his daughter Especially when she's a cross between the girl he married And himself Hmm It's weird that Steven Tyler has not been elected president yet He continued, All a man has to do is be totally honest with himself, and he can see it. However, the real man... Apparently this is a masculinity issue. The real man knows that's just a place to never go. Instead... He celebrates it by telling his daughter how beautiful she is and what a precious child of God he is. There's ways to love it without making love to it. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, man, I want to fuck this girl. I wrote, you're a
2: precious jewel of God. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm, oh, I wish I wasn't such a good man.
1: That sounds. God like
2: a... smiles upon you every day, my beautiful pearl. That sounds like the daily struggle of the
3: Christian right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Purity balls and father-daughter dances And all that creepy fucking shit Oh, God Anyway, Steven says he wrote Janie's got a gun about fathers who don't know the difference Okay That's the moral issue
2: Thought it was about a girl with a gun, but okay, you get off your high horse, dude. I know you know Steven Tyler fucked his fair share of fourteen-year-old girls oh, in the seventies. Yeah, 70s. yeah they just I have no proof daughters. of that. I have no proof of that. We're just making a, a hypothetical. We're just here. saying
1: that was the culture at the time, and a lot of people yeah. wrote songs about it. See episode nineteen stat tracks. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rick you know, James.
2: Since uh, since
3: I was fourteen, or since she was fourteen, she's been waiting. Super freak, man. It's yeah,
2: it's yeah. about banging a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible people out there, guys. Yeah.
1: Alright, let's evaluate this song's aesthetic success. I don't like it. The point the point in its favor is it won a Grammy. Mm. <laughs> right. The other point I, I I have a hard time evaluating it because I, I don't I don't know if I dislike it because the tone is just awkward and something about it doesn't work, or if I just watched too much MTV and heard it like four hundred times in three months. I mean, it's
2: more, it's not not really to stop child molestation. It's more about just a story. Pro gun.
3: Yeah, it's It's, a story song. It's a story song. And he's really
2: trying to be sultry and sexy when he sings it, too. It's because this song is pro gun. Uh, It's pro gun. Protect yourself. Have a gun. Mm. Just in case Steven Tyler is your dad and Mm -hmm. one day he crosses that line. Yeah.
0: Number six. Stomp. Get, guesses?
2: Stomp, definitely. Stomp. Stomp. Human nature. M.J. Michael Jackson.
1: All right. Wait, Hugh. who? <laughs> what? No, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the National Guard massacre of student protesters at Kent State University was such a cataclysmic betrayal of the promise of America that it screamed out for commentary from America's sharpest thinking artists. It also apparently screamed out for commentary from the Beach Boys' Mike Love, who approached the topic with his customary good taste and keen sensitivity by rewriting the lyrics to a rollicking, good-timey early R&B song called Riot and Cell Block No. 9, which was written by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller And originally recorded by the Robins back in 1954 You see, the commonality here is that there were riots, guys So, there's a riot going on you get, there's, a, there's a verisimilitude Ugh. that's happening here Boy, his, uh,
3: his level of cleverness is unsurpassed Until, uh, what's his name, did Some Girls? What was the... Uh... Brian Wilson, smart, smart girls. girls. <laughs> the bra- yeah, the rap song. Uh, Some girls was a uh, Stones album. Sorry. Yes. No,
1: you were thinking of the good one. Yeah. So you could you could kind of argue that the incongruity of the musical backing could have been played for irony by a skilled writer firmly in control of his craft. Uh, unfortunately, this is Mike Love, the man who went on to write Kokomo. Uh, this is also the man... I'll just get into Mike Love a little bit here. This is the man who inspired the title of Pet Sounds by asking Brian Wilson, who's going to hear this shit, the ears of a dog? And then claimed that he came up with the title, which is sort of like me suing Hunter for... for Like, if I, if I said, hey, I came up with the title uh, Token Wokens all by myself, and Hunter had nothing to do with it just because he said Woken Tokens... This is also I don't Mike, think you'd have much of a lawsuit. No. Uh, and you, you would also not think that Mike Love would have much of a lawsuit when he sues his bandmates over issues like getting writing credit on wouldn't it be nice for contributing the outro lyric good night baby, sleep tight baby. That's pretty good. What's well, the ending?
0: When yeah. you write the ending, you know, You're I mean, wrong. you got You're You
1: gotta you got take him out on a high note. Also, Mike Love is the guy who gave Tipper Gore $5,000 in seed money to start the PMRC. Uh, and Mike Love
2: is a piece of shit, not only because of his politics, but also because I saw the Mike Love Beach Boys once, and he only did like 25% Beach Boys songs and like 50% Beatles covers, and the oh. rest was like, oh, they're 60s. It
0: was terrible. I, there's, there is some, there's something that's redeem, quite redeeming about uh, Mike Love is his drunken uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty fun to watch. That's good to watch. And he's wearing a a terrific hat. (laughs) He's got a nice little navy hat on. Yeah, you don't see a lot of people
1: in hats. Yeah. You sure don't. love a good hat. So, if you go and you listen to the lyrics in this song, they're mostly just clunky exposition where Mike is trying to cram in all the specific contemporary references that he can. But then in the last verse, there's this gem Four martyrs earned a new degree. The Bachelor of Bullets, huh? Those those are the people who got shot at Kent State. The Bachelor of Bullets. So have you? Is this not not even the Capitol Steps are that bad at political satire? <laughs> is this anti-student demonstrations? You can't really tell. <laughs> it's he's trying. It's supposed to be like I think some wry commentary. But you can't tell if he comes down on the side for or against all of it. It's just kind of, whoa, stay away from
0: this craziness, right, guys? Was it So he, is he lifting again off the Beatles, like, with Let It Be?
2: Yeah, probably. Fucking Mike Love. Oh, what a prick. He's, he's trying to be the reporter on the streets. Also, his name
3: sounds like My Glove. <laughs> what a dipshit. God.
2: <laughs> My...
1: So, uh, how successful is this is this song artistically? Uh, it isn't, not at all, and it's the most painful song in the countdown by my estimation. Agreed.
0: Okay, gotta stretch it out. Here we go. So every decade, Sight and Sound magazine has a critics poll to declare the greatest movie of all time. For something like 50 years, Citizen Kane held the top spot. But in 2012, another movie was voted as the greatest of all time. And that movie, I assume, was 1991's Nothing But Trouble. Yeah. I didn't read it. I just assume. I also assume that an informal poll was taken to declare the greatest soundtrack song of all time, and it was this, Bone Stripper by the Damn Yankees. This is is when they're on the roller coaster, right? I'll get to that. This movie features Dan Aykroyd playing an insane, excuse me, this movie features an insane Dan Aykroyd playing a slightly insaner and older Dan Aykroyd with a dick nose. He also wrote and directed it, and it looked and it's a look inside the man, the mind of an insane person. And inside this mind, John Candy is not funny. <laughs> Demi Moore's agent is fired, and Chevy Chase is just he's just Chevy Chase.. Yep. Uh, this movie is so weird and insane that the attention to detail is kind of fascinating. Because you'd imagine that one, no one would ever give an insane person that much money, and two, an insane person would be too focused on conspiracy theories to concentrate on set deck. Where in the case of this song, a conveyor belt that goes from a house to a roller coaster outside to a machine called Mr. Bone Stripper yeah, that literally strips the meat off of human bones. I gotta see this movie. You've never seen You've this movie. Never seen be, it. Never seen this movie. I've, I've never um, seen it either. What? I what saw it. The you lied. Honestly, one yes. of my
1: coworkers was just talking to me about it like a week. Or two ago, I like what? what is that?
0: I loved this movie. We yesterday. should have
2: a parody, make some popcorn, get some soda pop.
3: And, and I'll tell you what, it has the cameo on uh, the digital underground scene, the very first yeah, on screen performance of Tupac Shaker. Yeah, hmm.
0: as yeah, a t- background t- dancer. Yeah, wow. I think I mentioned that one in hippie hop, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. But it's not the digital underground who's the star of this, it's the damn Yankees. Mm-hmm. So this movie was a financial disaster and basically sunk any Dan Aykroyd project we might have been looking forward to for another year. Then we got (laughs) Coneheads and the rest was history. We have Wayne's
2: World to thank for Coneheads, if I want to be historically accurate. Uh, And also, uh, Wayne's World led to It's Pat and the Stuart Smalley movie and Superstar, the Mary Catherine Gallagher movie and One Night at the Roxbury. And of course, Wayne's World 2. And uh, Little Rascals, uh, follow-up uh, by director of Wayne's World. Penelope Spheres, Little Rascals, 1994, my son's new favorite movie. Thank you, Your Dave welcome. and Mrs. Dave.
0: And Blues Brothers 2000. As for the damn Yankees, they were a hit a minute. Oh, they yeah. have like three minutes? Yeah, this was written uh, by Jack Blades, Tommy Brilliant. Shaw, and awesome. Ted Nugent. Just never a Who are that. three of the top
3: four members of damn Yankees. Which one was in Night Ranger? That was Jack Blades, right?
0: Yes. It's either... This song is either a wonderful plot rock summary of the Mr. Bone Stripper scene, or it's about a dude who really knows how to suck the meat off the bone, if you know what I mean. And what I mean is fellatio.
2: Ah. (laughs) I don't think this song with the lyric, going down Mr. Bone Stripper, is about fellatio
0: at all. Well, we don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so big ups to Sight and Sound for validating what we all know, and big ups to Bobo a Little Devil. Brilliant. The best two uh, screen uh, twin babies that work in a junkyard we've ever seen. I want to throw my page, but I'm not going to because we got to go through some more stuff.
2: Today's bumpers was great, Hunter. are from the Weird and Wild Boston Typewriter Orchestra. Check them out at bostontypewriterorchestra.bandcamp.com. Also, follow them at Boston Typewriter Orchestra and check out their Instagram for ridiculous daily pics of typewriters. They are zany. <laughs> That's commitment. And they wrote to me and they said rather than merely bashing away, and creating a few short original uh, musical motifs we did the first time around, this time the premise was to recreate the main hooks or riffs from the songs that appeared in episode 50 of Beyond Yacht Rock, Our Favorite Yacht. We did have a bit of trouble figuring out uh, our way with Jay Graydon's What Good Is Love, so we swapped in Ride Like the Wind. Otherwise, what you get are typewriter renditions of these yacht classics. As a band, we've had a heck of a year garnering press from CNN and the BBC and appearing in the documentary California Typewriter. And now we've got a vinyl record of our own as well with a 10-inch that we kick-started. Now it's taking up half of my living room. You must have a 20-inch uh, living room.
3: <laughs>
2: uh,
0: anything else to plug, guys? Uh, I I collected the final names for uh, nicknames yeah. Our, our former patrons, but I didn't do it on this episode, and I did not do it on the last one, but I'll get to it.
2: All right, guys, brace yourselves. Your nicknames are coming. going to change your lives.
0: Number five. Hey. I like the wind. Asia. Oh.
2: Asia, everyone, by Steely Dan. Oh. Done it with typewriters.
0: Lovely. Dave, I'm surprised you didn't get that one.
2: Uh, when
3: you say Asia, I immediately think, I never meant to be so bad to you.
1: This <laughs> is number five. George Michael praying for time. So George took a bit of a... A journey to his token Woken. He wanted to be taken seriously really almost from the moment he first broke big as a teen idol in Wham. When he did his first sad, adult-sounding ballad, he made sure to credit Careless Whisper to himself as a solo artist or Wham featuring George Michael in the U.S., even though it appeared on a Wham album and was actually co-written by Andrew Ridgely, unlike most Wham songs. And then when he went solo... dick.
0: Yeah. It's like you taking all the credit for coming up with this... It's topic today.
2: Hey, hey, George! I came up with this great sax riff. Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's right. great for my first solo hit. It's mine. You're really good looking, George. You can have it. I'm gonna go <laughs> ride my bike around. Yeah, that's <laughs> And not get verified on Twitter.
0: <laughs> great guy, though.
1: Uh, yeah. So then when George went solo for real, his first move was to prove he was a legit blue-eyed soul singer by holding his own on a duet with Aretha Franklin, and in case anybody wasn't sure he was an adult making music for other adults, he chose I Want Your Sex as the first single from Faith and, like, redid his whole image and whatnot. What adult says to another adult, (laughs) I want your sex?
0: (laughs) That sounds like something...
1: (laughs)
2: Somebody who doesn't understand straight sex. Uh, Well, I mean gay sex.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Hey, baby, let's fuck. You know, hey, I want to... Let's make out for a little bit and see what happens. Hmm. I want your sex? Come on.
0: What's the what's the kid in uh, BoJack Horseman? Like, uh, Mr. Adult Man? What's his... <laughs> oh, the-
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's clearly two kids in a yeah. trench
0: coat? <laughs> he might say, I want your sex.
1: <laughs> see, none of that was enough for George to be taken seriously because in addition to being a pop genius, he was also really, really good-looking.
3: Actually,
2: uh, you know you know what? What? I want your sex is kind of a token woken about sexual awareness and safe sex and an HIV yeah, and, a and talking about sex yeah. and just being more open about maybe sex. Maybe
3: he's saying I want you being your sex which is male. Maybe that was him saying he
2: wanted to be with another man. That's not what I'm talking about, but maybe. Ah, you're yeah. obsessed, Dave. He really is.
3: Like
1: with George Michael? Yeah, he was great. Dana Carvey, I remember seeing a Weekend Update episode where uh, Dennis Miller was interviewing Dana Carvey as George Michael, and Dana's impression <laughs> of him was. I just remember a- that. Look at my butt, Dennis. <laughs> look at, it kept- look <laughs> at my butt. It's perfectly round. English scientists calibrate their instruments by it.
0: Yeah, he was uh, he was being recorded by satellite. He was yeah. at his own home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that's what made it funny because he kept putting his his butt up to the to the, <laughs> yeah. to, the, to, the to the satellite feed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I've never seen that bit again. I've only seen it the one time it was on the air. Oh yeah, it's unfortunate. Good Good bit, good bit. Uh, So uh, if we couldn't get that George was a super serious adult artist, he was just going to have to beat us over the head with it. Uh, So he followed up Faith, you know, one of those huge '80s blockbusters, six top-five singles, eighteen million copies. Uh, The next album was Listen Without Prejudice, Volume One which sold relatively poorly, and he never did release volume two, Please Take Me Seriously. It wasn't a bad album, it just wasn't like the joyful, infectious pop masterpiece that Faith was. This was the song that set the tone. Uh, First song on the album, first single. uh, It's about basically how miserable the world is. It raced up the American charts to number one, kind of almost before anybody realized what it really was. And then when they did, it dropped back off the charts almost as quickly He refused to make a video so that nobody would focus on how hot he was and just on the words. Uh, So the record company just decided to put out a promo video that just flashed the lyrics across the
0: screen. He should have been a little bit bit more direct with uh, Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1. He should have said, please uh, don't critique this album, (laughs) Volume (laughs) 1. Please, critics. Don't tell me this isn't what you want to
1: hear. (laughs) Forget everything I did before, because this does not live up to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's worth asking how much George's drive to be seen as the person he really saw himself to be was the product of hiding his true self for many years, only telling a few close friends and relatives so that the press wouldn't gossip and his ailing mother wouldn't worry too much. And I'm talking, of course, about his one-time membership in the Young Communist League, which was revealed upon his death in late 2016, and which you can certainly hear echoes of in this socially conscious issue song,
0: particularly the line, The Rich Declare Themselves Poor. Must be why he stole that song from Andrew Ridgely. Yeah. (laughs) he was a communist.
2: Yeah. I I can't get past his whisper growling. I know you said that this song is about how the world's kind of miserable. What's the cause? Poverty? What? I don't know
1: if it's so much a cause as just a general pro. Like, he's not... hes like It's unlike a lot of these other songs where he's not focusing in on any one specific issue. Okay. He's just trying to get you to wake up, man. Okay. In that case... Wake th- up to how bad the world is. I want your
2: sex is totally a token, woken then. Anyway... This is more
1: Woken. This is more overtly Woken. Yeah, right,
2: right, right. It's about a really dumb... This is
1: like, you didn't get the point I was making before, so now I have to, like, beat you over the head. Right. So how, how, how artistically successful is it? It's, you know, it's George Michael. The singing is wonderful. Is depressing as shit. Singing could be better.
2: <laughs> um, it's a boring song. Listen without
0: prejudice, JD. I,
1: uh, this is postjudice. This is, yeah, this is post it's kind of plotting it's not you know the point is it's not what anyone was hoping to hear from him but you know sometimes your strengths are your strengths yeah it might be good for a slow
3: dance if I were uh, you know in 7th grade
1: yeah and you were really depressed you know it was like the really depressed crowd in 7th grade that or wanted to dance to a song about how terrible the world was and everything that was wrong or, with it
2: or if you were at a liberal con- liberals convention time for a slow <laughs> dance something to believe in coming up next Bet Midler's song about issues. I'm sorry.
3: As from a distance, go there. having a hard time following you from A to B
2: on that. From a distance.
3: Oh, so that would from me.
0: beaches. From no, that was the no. That was wind to the No, song. I know, but I don't want to. I don't want to listen think, to the song that he's talking about. I want to listen to something like about
2: beaches.
1: Beaches? I don't remember.
2: I don't know, but it's about
1: social issues, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Somebody dies. In no, beaches. that's "Wind Beneath by Wings." Yeah. We're talking about From a Distance. I'm talking about Beaches. Sad movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know,
2: my old co-workers had a Beaches poster in our office. And <laughs> had, my old co-workers had a
3: Beaches party. I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> no,
2: no, no. And the slogan of that movie that's on the poster is amazing. It's just, you know, you always got want something real catchy that makes you want to see the movie. This was, they met on a beach 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> Beaches. So it was really just it should just be called beach. Uh, yeah, there, they were on the, a different beach where there, now. Were there two beaches? I think there's a
2: beach in New York where they meet. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm it's like it. a Coney Island kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah uh, a beach part of it was LA, filmed in L.A.
1: Where she's dying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: if there's not
1: more than one beach in Beaches, it's fucking flagrant false advertising, I think man. I there's
0: only one beach, but I don't know. I'll go watch uh, it again.
3: No, because I think her house is on the beach in the end when she's about to kick off.
0: Yeah. All right paying for time. I guess I didn't really pay attention to the movie.
3: Well, maybe we'll have a double feature with nothing but trouble. (laughs)
2: Nothing but beaches. That's what Hunter's going to say after season of that movie. I can't believe it. I thought it was only one beach. Look at all these beaches. They went from beach to beach to beach. They were in the Gulf. They were in
0: Tahiti. Well, yeah, well, they. I mean, it shouldn't just be two beaches if you're going to call it beaches, though. So, really, when you think about it. Well, listen, we did. Two stuff is the about bare it. minimum. Yeah, well, you're doing the least amount of work.
1: Are we done with the song? Yeah, the the, the song's over. Let's move on. Okay.
0: Breaking the law. Yeah, I hear that. Breaking the law. <laughs> Number
2: four. we got that one? What a fool believes. Africa. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got that one. Sounds like somebody's shooting up the place. You don't like this band. What if I told you they were a punk band?
0: I'd, I'd question your assessment. What if we
1: told you typewriters are
3: punk rock? Eh, I've had some bad experiences with typewriters.
2: Save it for another podcast. Yeah. Unless it has to do with social change. No,
3: it's, okay. it's my podcast about me taking the shit out of typewriters. Okay.
1: <laughs> Ooh, All right,
0: no now way. we're talking! Yes. All Phil right, Collins. finally, finally
1: got another fill- woo. I I don't I don't ever want to try and confirm this with data, but I think Phil Collins might be the artist who fits the largest number of genres on this podcast program.
0: Just it's just a gut feeling oh. I have. He pops up a lot. I thought you were talking about the Star Trek Next Generation character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you kind of You're just talking straight up. I don't think we've had a, wait, what? What kind of data was your, were you trying to...
1: He doesn't want to, like... It's a gut feeling.
0: He doesn't want to go Phil through Collins all
2: of the podcast data is, to count how many times Phil Collins yeah, has appeared. It's
0: clearly... Uh, uh,
2: uh-oh. We went a long time without that
0: happening. There it is again. It's clearly
2: Sammy Hagar. He'd be up there.
3: The yeah, remote would certainly... be up there, but only because of Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I put I put uh, Hagar in gyarrhea.
2: Anyway...
1: Anyway, uh, here's Phil Collins with his mawkishly sentimental take on homelessness. Another day in paradise. More homelessness. Yeah, it's an easy issue to be on the right side of. I can't believe we haven't fixed it yet. I know, you'd think... With both of these great songs? (laughs) You would think that people being aware of it would automatically solve it. It's weird. yet it
0: doesn't happen. Doing nothing doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. But how
1: can that be when everyone's aware of it? If wow. we just made everybody aware of it, then magically the problem would be fixed, right? Writing a hit song
2: and using the millions you make from it to buy a fourth home. You see, he's less homeless than he was before. In a way, he solved the problem yeah. on a very small scale.
0: talking about uh, the, I wasn't talking about just songwriting. I was just talking about living every day in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Boy... Why can't we solve this problem? Doing nothing doesn't work. I don't understand. But I'm aware. Phil Collins taught me that doing nothing would do something. It's so weird. The bridge.
1: The bridge of this song is literally Phil Collins saying, "Oh Lord, is there nothing more anybody can do? Oh Lord, there must be something you can say." Like he has no idea what to do about homelessness either, except look at it and feel sad.
2: Well, I like this this fun fact you have about Phil Collins' politics in Great Britain.
1: Yeah, so so chart-wise, this is his most successful single in America. It was four weeks at number one. And calendar-wise, it was the final number one single of the 80s, a decade where the rich got way richer, the poor got way poorer, the social safety net got shredded because baby boomers didn't want to pay taxes anymore, and nobody seemed to want to interrogate the causes of all the social problems springing up around them. So... Symbolically, appropriately, this is a song by a rich baby boomer who once said he might leave the UK to avoid the tax increases of a labor government. And who wrote a hit song about <laughs> homelessness that has no idea what to do about it. dick.
2: <laughs> you know the worst part, the saddest part? This
1: song is about Susudio. Yep, that's right. Susudio, Susudio ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. ended up on the street. Yeah. You know? yeah. After Phil ditched her, it was like, you know... Where can you go but down from there? This uh, this was the first single off of Phil's fourth solo album, Dot, 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 But Seriously, a title that George Michael must have kicked himself for not getting to a year or two earlier. It's not really, it's not jam-packed with a bunch of other, like, serious social issue songs, but there is a song called Colors, with a U, of course, about life in the townships of South Africa Which I presume is an issue that affects Phil personally About as much as homelessness <laughs> Africadabra uh, Did colors make the countdown? No, no it didn't
3: uh, I don't think he actually went to Africa Okay <laughs> I mean Bono Bono was looking at poor people out of the backseat of an air-conditioned SUV Yeah, okay But no, at least was he was there it. Yeah, Phil yeah. was watching it on TV from uh, his
1: Waterford mansion so I have a personal story of re- involving homelessness, not experience of it, but is this just, when you got a cat drunk? No, that's that's homefulness. We we're trying to give the cat a home. Ah. So I was up for a full ride scholarship. Heaven. Yeah, it was, yeah. We we're trying to give the cat a home in heaven. So I was up for a full ride scholarship to Michigan State. The last stage was a phone interview. There were like ten full rides available, and another set of just full tuition. And I could end up with either one or none none at all. So as part of this phone interview, I had to answer one of those bullshit, socially relevant beauty pageant type questions. And the one that they gave me was about homelessness. So I'm 18 and they're basically saying, hey kid, if you're so smart, why don't you solve homelessness for us right now over the phone with zero prep time? And the first thing that pops into my head is just, it's this George Carlin routine about how America will never actually help the homeless because there's no money to be made in that. And so I start blabbering about, you know, harnessing the power of the private sector. No specifics, just kind of trying to spin this George Carlin bit into this positive-sounding horse shit just off the top of my head. And they gave me the full tuition scholarship. So I don't know whether to thank George Carlin for getting me that or curse him for losing me the full ride. I don't know which it is. Anyway, that's... Uh, nobody, nobody knows how to solve homelessness. That's your own
3: personal story
1: about homelessness. Involving homelessness. Got it. <laughs> but my point is that... Even Michigan State University is so desperate for a solution to homelessness that they're just asking 18-year-old scholarship candidates (laughs) how to fix it. Uh. Fun fact, college football teams are allowed 85 full-ride scholarships and can generally sign up to 25 players per year. Ten academic full-rides at a school of 50,000 people. They got to pay them
2: six figs of those provosts, son. Can't run a school without provosting.
3: And now they got to pay their legal bills for uh, their team doctor. Oh, yeah. Fucking disgrace. Ted Nugent, M.D. Also, there was a professor there that was recently in court for penetrating a dog. (laughs) What? Wait, what? Yeah, it was just a little blurb that somebody sent me in an email. Wait, did you say
0: professor? Yeah. He wasn't a professor, I don't believe. Adjunct? Uh, no, I don't think either. But Provost? Like, ad- administrator? Some, yeah, I don't know. It was something. Doctor's assistant? <laughs> I think he worked there in some... I don't know.
1: Still, though. Ew. Uh, Go Spartans. Uh, how creatively successful is this Phil Collins song? Does Phil get too much grief for... Having his heart in the right place and awkwardly trying his best, or his his best just too tone-deaf? You
2: know, I think this is great. I
1: think this is a pretty song.
2: It, it's a number one song uh, a number one, yeah, for a reason. One a, I think about this song a lot.
1: When the song starts up, I get excited. Yeah, it's, it's got that gated snare effect that he was so famous for on a on a yeah. drum machine instead of drums this time. I think he nailed it. Yeah, yeah And, there's, and there's having once taken a memorable.
3: nap in Central Park, I think I know a thing or two about being homeless. You got personal experience with it Yeah
1: Is it stuck on a loop? Number three. Was that a two live crew rap? He's so
2: shy by the Pointer mm-hmm. Sisters if those fingers were pointing onto a typewriter keyboard over and over again. Oh,
1: okay. I love this uh, song. Uh,
0: this,
1: this might. I, I didn't do a real scientific survey, but this might be the original Token Woken. Elvis Presley in the Ghetto, of course. It's another kind of sentimental, pity the poor folk kind of ballad. Uh, But apparently that wasn't how this song was perceived at the time. It was controversial enough to be sympathetic to poor black people in the first place that Elvis wasn't sure whether this would be a good idea for him to record at all. This was also, uh, uh, this was like the first hit of his... Uh, His comeback in the late 60s This song rejuvenated his career Uh, After years of shitty movies He had just done a comeback Christmas TV special Where people remembered why they liked him And he decided to take creative control of his career Back from Colonel Tom Parker And he went to Memphis to reconnect with his roots And to work with producer Chip's Moman. And those Memphis sessions are universally regarded As some of the best music of his career This was the first single from those Uh, It hit number three it kick-started the Vegas phase of his career. He did some residencies in Vegas to kind of reestablish himself as a live performer. And I think that's why this has always felt a little weird to me. It's just hard to associate this with a glitzy, show-busy, Vegas review kind of repertoire, if it's a sincerely felt statement, you
2: know? Man, I don't even like Elvis music very much, but man, would I love to go back in time and see those Vegas shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This little
3: Kentucky rain. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Suspicious minds.
2: Yeah. And... Oh, Viva Las Vegas. Oh, I bet that had the crowd on their feet when they were in Las yeah. Vegas. They would have come... loved that shit. Yeah, they would have loved that in Las Vegas. I've come to v- Las Vegas on a vacation, and here's my favorite singer, the most famous guy in the world, singing about Las Vegas. I'm losing my
1: shit. Like uh, when Kiss does Detroit Rock City in and green, in Detroit, Kalamazoo. <laughs> hey, oh yeah, I enough. saw them
2: do it in
3: Dearborn
0: <laughs> or Pontiac. Uh, I guess it was. I saw them at Tiger Stadium do that song.
3: Did we go to the same farewell tour show with Nugent and Skid Row?
0: No.
2: no. Oh, yeah, we'll it was a personal you. concert. Hunter was at a personal concert that Kiss threw for him. Wow,
3: yeah. it was
0: their comeback. Tiger Stadium show. Yeah, man, they'll wow. do anything. That's nice. Mine
3: was
2: their
0: first farewell tour. This <laughs> is when they put their makeup on and they had the original band.
3: Yeah, that's what I saw. Oh, yeah. Except I was a Pontiac. Oh, yeah. I like this song because it tells a story.
1: It definitely tells a story. It's 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 a little bit like uh Pina Colada song. There's a very similar story in the message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Oh, is that you, the you one know? where they're
2: trying to get you to do blow?
1: No, that's White Lines. Don't Do It. Ah.
2: I'm trying to not get you to do Blow. Well hence the Parentheses in Yeah
3: time. Somebody added that <laughs> <laughs> It's like a whole song About how all People are missing the money, money Like they did with She's homeless Money and drugs And then everyone's like So don't do it <laughs> <laughs> Wait what?
2: <laughs> Feel real good All night long Party and fucking A bunch of girls With my slong. Don't, so do don't do it don't do
1: it <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, The, the, the string section room. On this really makes it Kind of gloppy Uh but Elvis, I think, he gets more of a pass than Phil Collins for being sentimental because he didn't write the song. This was written by Mac Davis, who also wrote one of the follow-up hits, Don't Cry Daddy, which is just fucking awful. Uh, and he also wrote the legendarily sappy Watching Scotty Grow for Bobby Goldsboro, a song about watching your, your son grow up before your very eyes.
0: Oh, thank God. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm being too hard on the aesthetic sensibilities of sentimental pity songs, because you know, if you think back through American history, Uncle Tom's Cabin, the book, not the warrant song. Oh, damn! <laughs> the
3: book, Uncle
1: Tom's Cabin. I had so much warrant, to say. The warrant song was pretty good. It's a good story song that has nothing to do got with slavery. A secret.
3: <laughs> Down in Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah, got a secret that you know I just know who put tell? the bodies in the wishing, in the wishing well. well. Sure, Terrence Trent Darby.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Trent Darby who put the bodies in the wishing well. Kiss and tell. This, uh,
3: this was one of my first favorite songs. Uh, my mom had a car that had an 8-track player in it, and I had three 8-tracks. It was the Village People, Mac Davis, and Elvis. And this is the song I really wow, liked. Well,
1: so you got Elvis and Mac Davis on yeah. separate 8-tracks. Can, can
0: I have those?
3: No. Uh-huh. Those are mine, Hunter. I have an and also they were uh, they were stolen along with my mom's car from the brown derby in Akron, Ohio.
1: Oh, they had a brown derby there? I thought those were only in LA. No. They they were all over the place. You
2: can name any restaurant you wanted the brown derby anywhere in the country. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, back to my point about Uncle Tom's cabin, the book. Damn! It was also a piece of of trash, creatively speaking, but it also helped swing most of the north to the the side of abolishing slavery. So it's not that sentimentality can't have a galvanizing effect on people. It's just that none of these songs have solved any of these issues yet.
2: Uh, The Warrant, Uncle Tom Cabin, swung most of America's youth to grunge.
0: (laughs) That's very true.
1: All right, so... Dave, you're on board with this song very much. Absolutely. This is a great fucking song. Is is Elvis a great enough singer to pull off this material in spite of its flaws? Because it sounds almost operatic when he does. There's a grandeur, there's a majesty to this. King's never been better.
3: You listen to this, and then you listen to Mac Davis' version of this song, you're going to come out an Elvis fan.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you listen to almost any original version of any song, other than Little Richard, you're going to come away an Elvis fan because you hear what he does with it. Oh, shit. It's not just a white guy co opting black music. Like, his versions are almost always better. Or at least very good. That's what I think. What do you think?
2: I think this is lovely. I don't really do a lot of Elvis comparative listening myself. (laughs) Um, I'm more of a What? I'm more of a listening to uh, Yacht Rock all the time Kind of guy Yeah I noticed so, If Elvis
1: uh, had lived He definitely would have done A Yacht Rock album Yes
2: Just, just a couple like of years around, Probably
1: around 1981 At
2: least one song That maybe Was in the 50s On the Yachtski scale Yeah, yeah. We, so, were, we would have definitely Gotten him on the boat So weird to suddenly Talk about Yacht Rock In the middle of these Other shows Anyway Okay Anyway Anyway Yeah, we can move on. But I do want to say, uh, you know, you had a a question about... Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The other thing, does picturing Fat Elvis doing this song on stage in Vegas do the majesty of the actual recording a disservice? See, I don't think so because... No, some of us liked him that way.
2: Yeah, and I feel like he he ate all the babies uh, that were growing up in the ghetto to spare them the
1: pain of a terrible life,
2: and that's what made him so fat.
1: I, maybe that's why he related to the protagonist of this song because she also doesn't need another little hungry mouth to feed. He also doesn't, but for a very different reason.
2: Yeah. He, he has to eat
1: all the food.
2: Yeah. She, they don't want Elvis to come to their house and eat their babies. They yeah. don't need that hungry mouth to feed. Either. No. Okay. I get Ravenous. it. Ravenous.
3: Code cracked.
2: Number two When well, it looking like a trouble in paradise Al Jarreau <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that one that a, I can't hear it Is that a drill? we well, burning love as cold as ice Speaking of cold
1: as ice no, Yeah That's, that's Foreigner it's, I know but the song It leaves you cold as ice The world man The, the world makes you sad This is poison with something to believe in uh, They They like George Michael They kind of took a bit of an arc to get here To their token, Woken. Uh, They were always the most openly desperate hair metal band to be rock stars. I don't know if it's their working class roots in Pennsylvania that drove them to succeed at all costs, or just like the the puppy dog eagerness to be liked that I picked up from Brent Michaels when I worked very low-level gigs on Rock of Love and assorted spin-offs. But whatever Poison thought would make them popular, whatever they thought would make you like them more, that's what they did. They, they started out the Big, big Hair at Glam Rock, ripping off the New York Dolls. That was in. All right, first album. Uh, then Party Down Arena Rock with a power ballad for the pop charts. Okay, cool. That's our second album. Wait a minute. Rolling Stone doesn't like us because our music is superficial flash, they say. Oh, no. Shit, we better fix the thing that people said they don't like. Let's add some substance to all this style. Let's call the next record Flesh and Blood because it's real and it's us and it has slightly more blues because that's authentic and let's definitely do some important social commentary because Rolling Stone keeps bitching that 80s music isn't changing the world and defeating Reagan like 60s music would have
2: man, Poison is so technically terrible oh, they're they're bad Brett Brett Michaels' voice to C.C. DeVille's guitar solos it's just garbage music but the songs are so good did they write their own songs? They did write their own
1: They had they they were good at hooks. I'll give yeah, them that. Yeah, they
2: sure were. They, they remind me a lot about of Kiss. Just a terrible sounding band. Yeah. <laughs> songs I can't get out of my head. Yeah.
1: yeah. You're really adopting a lot of my uh attitudes. A lot of my attitudes yeah. for this episode, JD. I really appreciate it. Uh CC'd, when I was taking guitar lessons in high school The only solos I could ever play Correctly from start to finish Were C.C. DeVille's You never tried Twisted Sister Oh no, well I'm not talking about like obvious crap I'm talking about stuff that sounded flashy But was actually not that hard to play Yeah Oh, that, and the, the guitar playing, that was another trend or flaw they tried to fix later on because people criticized them for it. After CeCe's Coke problem got too bad, they replaced him with no. Richie, Richie Kotzen, who's one of those shrapnel records guitar shredders. And when he didn't work out, they, used, they they hired Blues Saraceno, whose three solo albums were released by Guitar for the Practicing Musician magazine. <laughs> Not exactly a lightweight.
2: Nope. Oh, here he is, nailing it. Taking it home. there's
1: Cece, taking it home. So, shallow people have been trying to seem deep for a very long time. And ironically, we would get much, much more of that sort of thing when post-grunge took over the rock landscape in the 90s and wiped hair metal out. This song, though, is a real honest-to-God attempt to make important statements about issues. It's partly inspired by things that really happened, like the band's bodyguard really did die alone in a hotel in Palm Springs. Brett Michaels' cousin really did serve in Vietnam. And besides that, you know, we get, you know, the usual rock hate of televangelists. There's like half a verse about homelessness and the gap between rich and poor. Maybe Brett was in the Young Communist League early on, too, like George was. I don't know.
2: So you tell me Brett really did try all night not to break down and cry while tears rolled down his face, and he really did feel so cold and empty, like a lost soul out of place. And by the way,. What lost souls are in the right place? You know yeah, that's what I mean? why
1: they're lost. I, you know, he's turning some phrases here. Yeah, he,
2: got to make, he had to make really, a rhyme. Really, wordsmithing. He could have said like a lost. Oh no, he would have rhymed face with face, but he could have said lost soul. A lost soul without a face? No, in your face. A lost soul. Like without a lost soul in your face. What about without a trace?
3: Oh, oh, soul Without a, a
2: Trace Oh man, you need to go back in time You would be a, a big <laughs> hit on the Sunset Strip yeah, working with all uh, the bands When I was working low-level words. jobs I was a
1: PA on the TV
3: show Without a Trace So it's fresh in my head <laughs>
1: <laughs> I found a fun fact Brett Michaels says every song he writes Has a bazillion verses at first And somewhere there's an acoustic version Of Something to Believe in that lasts 28 minutes Oh god
0: mm, I need it oh. I think he's exaggerating I don't. I, think I believe him. I've uncovered, he
1: gave me something to believe in, and that is his own excess. I've, I've uncovered one of the verses. Oh, fantastic. Uh,
2: I, I don't know how to do it with, our, with this other music. Uh, I go to the zoo, see the monkey in the cage, a fuzzy cousin torn from home. I want to bring him to my house, feed him finger-licking chicken, and give him a comb. I grab the zookeeper by the collar and a holler, how can you keep a hairy man like a pet? Does he have enough water, good loving like a to? does he see a real doctor a vet?
1: I w- that that's really, one of them. That really that really raises awareness of a lot of important issues. Twenty five
2: more of those. He feels so bad for the monkeys at the zoo. Yeah, because they, they feel like uh, like his brother.
0: I appreciate your uh, description of a monkey as a hairy man.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's how Brett Michael sees them. Yeah, that's not mine. This is Brett Michael's actual.
0: And
1: words. he wants
2: to know if that monkey's getting
3: enough loving. You know why? Because whenever you go to the zoo, the monkeys are whacking off.
1: Yeah. I Brett they can definitely empath- empathize with monkeys. Yeah.
3: I went to the Lansing Zoo when I was in college, and they were trying to do a news report in front of the monkeys and they couldn't because the monkeys kept whacking off. <laughs>
1: so like, We can't film this. These monkeys are whacking off. <laughs> monkeys, they're just like you and me. <laughs> I have a memory of this song. Uh, did you guys, uh, did your schools ever have that Channel One news program?
0: Yeah. They played before? Yeah. before I know class? of it, but no. Yeah, it was, was like before
3: I moved to Michigan. Okay, yeah.
1: It was this company that produced a short, like 10 to 15 minute news show specifically geared to teens. And they made money by having schools sign off on showing us commercials in class during the, the shows. <laughs> and this is the place where both Anderson so awesome. Cooper and Lisa Ling started their now legit Get rid of your careers. zits,
2: bitch. Uh, also, Maria Menudo started there, and Fox News' Brian Me. Oh.
1: but uh, Raleigh Valverde no such luck. No, I I remember Raleigh Valverde getting like one guest appearance on a lower tier TGIF show once. That you know, was it for him Craig Jackson hosted a VH1 reality show Craig Jackson was on
2: channel? Yeah, he oh, sure man. was He was their token black guy Raul oh, Valverde okay. was their token Latino Yeah. Lisa Ling was their token Asian And then they let Anderson Cooper, pre-gray hair Yep, yep, do, yep Do uh, live, live uh, reports from Mogadishu Yeah, I,
1: re- I remember him being in Burma Back when it was still called Burma And just running around a field looking worried Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And they pan around Mekedisha. and see nothing. And yeah. it was in, in real danger in Burma, apparently. That was great. It was great. It, it was, was good news. Great. It, was, it yeah. really was good news. So anyway, when, Ch- when, when this song came out, Channel One had a special report about Poison releasing a new song and how important it was that it was about important issues instead of just being another fun song for people to party to. Uh, nobody in my class seemed to think the new Serious Poison single was worth a news segment, even on a show that already had commercials. <laughs> so the song does a good job. It does a good job of raising awareness of issues and that they are sad. <laughs>
2: it helps you. It helps you realize that um, handsome rock stars have to try really, really hard to feel.
1: They really do, especially after all the cocaine they've had. Yeah, like it dulls. You, it dulls your emotions after a while. Oh, uh, are we going to call this a, a creative success? Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a lot more personal than a lot of these other
0: songs. And, uh, and Dave just had his fist up singing along to it.
1: All right. Okay. All right. If he had a
0: letter, it'd be going. We'll yeah. put
1: this one over then.
2: We're not going to take it.
1: Live in midnight
0: what a fool believes. Oh, I wanted to say what a fool believes. I knew I'd get one. You did. If I kept saying the same song. After the Stomp soundtrack.
1: Well, got, What's happening? Uh, guy oh, boy. Chills. This this is a doozy. If you thought Janie's Got a Gun might have been a little awkward in handling delicate subject matter, here's Lemmy from Motor, Motorhead writing a power ballad about incest. Hawkwind. This is, this is from the 1993 album Bastards. It's called Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me. Uh, this album... Oh, here it comes.
3: Oh, God. Wow. Ugh. Oh, boy. Okay. Just really see those face Cocoa Puffs coming right at you. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: this album... Bastards. This was on a very small indie label, and uh, in hindsight, a lot of Motorhead fans think it's probably their best of the 90s. It's mostly a solid revitalization after the uh, attempted commercial sellout of March or Die lost them their major label deal. This was on a, a tiny German label called ZYX, which didn't promote it in any other country but Germany, so hardly anyone heard it at the time, and they missed out on this along with the rest of the songs. I and mean, the rest of the album is basically just good Motorhead. It's loud and it's rough and it kicks ass. And it was their first album with ex King Diamond drummer Mickey D. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's great. But then there's this smack in the middle. It's
2: Oh boy. I like how it's uh he does he repeats this a few times and then he goes Good night. Like, it's a clever twist. Yes. <laughs> like, don't let daddy kiss me. Wasn't creepy enough. And then enough. he finishes the sentence. Yeah, it's like, I just want to fuck. I just want to fuck. I just want to fuck get you. See? Yeah. You didn't well, know where I was X going. Sex. You didn't know where I was going. Yeah, we did know where you were going, Lemmy. We did know.
1: Here's where the electric guitars kick in for the climax. This The, the lyrics... They're presented with a bluntness that is rare for such sensitive subject matter. There's one line in a later verse, a good sample, for his seed is sown where it should not be. But there is zero doubt that Lemmy is very much against incest. And apparently he was very proud of this song. He felt that it should be sung by a woman. So he offered it to both Lita Ford and Joan Jett. Both of whom turned it down. Or as Lemmy told it, they'd tell him, we have to do this. Lemmy, I've got to do this song. And then their managers would call him up later and be like, no, on hey, their behalf. I love this song. I want to record it. Who wrote this? Lemmy. Uh, no.
2: Oh, uh, no. No, it's more like he's uh, pitching it to them face to face. I was describing a different kind of situation where they liked I, the song. Once they learned Lemmy wrote it, it took a whole new context.
0: I watched a documentary on
2: Lemmy where he bragged about swapping partners
3: with his son. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: He
1: doesn't say anything about letting other people's daddies kiss them. As long as it's not their own. This was actually the only song released as a single from this album. It was released as a a CD single with two B-sides. Lemmy had a lot of faith in this song. And that's why he ended up recording it himself three years after he'd written it. Whenever Really, uh, really gave it time to steep. Yeah, you know, he was trying to give it, give it away to the, the proper lady vocalist. Uh, whenever my cousin comes to visit at Christmas, he'll request this oh, no. one off oh. my iPod so that we can marvel at its peculiar conception of taste afresh. So, yeah, this song, this song is a bit of a holiday tradition in my family. Oh, one Steve. Of, one of the lesser traditions. Watch your your
2: syntax. It's, <laughs> you yelled at me once because I called out your syntax and it, it came across tasteless, but I was just calling out what you were saying, which is, uh, this song is a holiday tradition in my family. The song, not
1: what it's describing.
2: I know, but what I'm saying is that, that's what it sounds like you're saying. Anyway, okay. Continue, I sorry. don't
1: think that's what it sounds like I'm saying. It didn't.
0: <laughs> it didn't. But listen, guys, let him finish what he was had uh, to say. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's one of the lesser traditions. Yeah, it's
1: a lesser tradition. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not something <laughs> <Okay>. everybody <laughs> oh, insists okay. on. Jeez, guys. Okay. It's now I understand. my cousin requested, hey, can we laugh at this again? Okay. And feel awkward. <laughs> do, you, do you get it? I like, get it. No, I get it. I get it from the, I,
2: You know, yeah, I, just be a little careful. Tradition. Just be careful when you write a family in the context of a song like this. That's all I'm saying. So that's where your brain went. And, met, and half of our listeners. half? Of half? Us. The dirty half. <laughs> the cool half. <laughs> the ones who like to party. Yeah. <laughs> the Budweiser half. <laughs>
0: What's the- yeah, wait, hold on, if one half's the Budweiser half, what's the other half? It's like the IPA
2: half, it's like yeah. the- It's a Steve half, it's the half that has a, they, the- The IPA half? An awkward syntax could slip by, <laughs> because they're enjoying their IPA- The Budweiser half is just listening for a dirty mistake. <laughs> they ready. You really cleared that up, JD. Thank you. <laughs> Bud hand. <laughs> Sorry, Steve that kind of thing makes you mad is this, I'm sorry is this
1: a creative success yeah. is this is this song a creative success it is now it's I'm, unforgettable
2: it makes me physically ill when I listen to it I think it works it's really disturbing it's uh I think he did a great job i <laughs> I am now against child molestation thank
1: you Lemmy he is very much against it yeah um
0: this is like a classic 90's guitar solo where it happens on the top of a mountain
3: yeah, oh, yeah. a helicopter's back. filming it. Yeah,
0: yeah, kind of the something to uh, something I believe in. Uh, a lot of wind had, had that in, t- in it too. That yeah. terrible guitar solo. My
3: wife and I were going to make a, uh, a metal video something for our, our wedding it. invitation, but we never got around to it.
0: It's I before re- I re- drones, I read were a, easily attainable. I read a
1: fun fact about this guitar solo since you brought it up. I didn't put it in here, but apparently uh, Phil Campbell, the lead guitarist, fell asleep. While playing the end of the solo, <laughs> can you hear it? You I, hear it? I, I couldn't. I couldn't really okay. hear it in there. That's why they
0: put him at the top of a mountain. <laughs> can't wake him up. So if he if he did fall asleep, he'd fall down it. So yeah. He's... Ooh, it's crisp up here. I Can't fall asleep. Um, horribly punished. Or well, didn't make the list. Oh, are we doing this? Mm-hmm. All right, I'll read my thing. Not only am I shocked that Van Halen's right now is not on this list I'm actually surprised it's not number one. I concur. Uh, so uh, let's say that's a given um, and we and I and I think we need to talk about that, but before oh, we yeah, do... Yeah, I have an explanation for why if it's not. If before, I want to hear it. Before we do, I'd like to give uh, ACDC's The Jack consideration. Uh, it's, a, it's a little educational ditty about the values of safe sex and the dangers of STDs. Oh, yeah. just
1: like George Michael's I want your sex.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Jack.
1: <laughs> I know what you're doing. So Wait, What?
2: what? What do you mean? What am I doing? Why isn't this song on the <laughs> list? This is
1: so good. All right, so it, originally it was on the list, and then I was looking at a few songs that I like were kind of borderline. That maybe, oh, should I listen to this again just make sure it doesn't fit? And what would I take off if I if I wanted to put it on? And I reread the lyrics to "Right Now" independently of the, the video, video. Yeah, if you just read the lyrics. It's not really... It's not a token Woken. All by itself, it's just Sammy Hagar singing some vaguely inspirational...
0: Yeah, individual clichés.
1: cliches.
0: But didn't, it's we, more, didn't we do one where it it's was... It's
1: more of a heavy metal. It's, it fits your heavy metal genre just based on lyrics better than it fits token Woken. You're saying because
3: he was so fucking moody in the video that it put a whole different uh, spin on it.
1: No, I'm saying the video... Tricks you into thinking it's more socially conscious than right, it actually is. Right. They did is. the uh,
3: R.A.M.
2: thing, which was ripped off of uh, the vendors. Uh, yeah. Um, I, Ange- Angels in the outfield. I think this is a token woken about mindfulness. I think Sammy Hagar is wanting us to live in our, our own minds and enjoy our current surroundings, which ninety-nine percent of the time is cavawabo for him. What was but that's, the song that's that was
0: spiritual? Then well, what was the song? True. What was the song that was generally life sucks? The George Michael song. Yeah, praying for time. I think this is "Life Sucks." Get out there and do something about it, song. But it's vague enough that it could be about
1: activism, or it could be about you know really building your tequila brand.
0: Yeah, we got to turn this thing around. It Could be a party. Yeah. It the could guy, be. Wait, listen. It could be tequila's, a Pepsi. The tequila <laughs> Pepsi selling commercial. Well. Listen, these guys are just the best at it. They're best. They're the best at being in token woken because you're not quite sure. You don't know if you're watching the video or a Pepsi clear commercial. Mm-hmm.
2: Miss the beat, lose the rhythm of stuff. Of yeah, nothing issues. falls
0: into place like homelessness.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got to fill in the blanks. This is like a like a activism Mad Lib, like a socially conscious Mad
0: Lib.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> give it's, me a problem. It implies a lot without really saying it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, like everything, uh, it provides a lot of questions, man, but no solutions.
2: Mm-hmm. Might be the greatest one of all because of that. I don't know. Um, you know, I got one. I got one that you missed. On their 1981 album, The Longest Road, which is actually okay. has, has one or two songs that are on the Yacht Rock boat, Seals and Crops has a song called Egypt, Israel, and America. And it's Ooh. as terrible as it
1: sounds. <laughs> that sounds
0: like a very specific you issue. You posted that and said, I'm doing this. No, I said, here's one just for fun. Here's one just for fun. I thought you were talking about your your bone throw. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's not a Yaw Rock song. It's a no, shit it's, song. No, it's,
0: <laughs> it's, that's what I said. This, that song is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't believe you're going to do that um, to
2: us. But honestly, I don't know how token it is because on the same album, Steels and Crofts has a song called One Planet, One People, Please. <laughs>
1: I, I it, if they're gonna get that those specific about so an issue as those three specific countries, it probably counts. Right, they did a lot of stuff about their Baha'i
0: faith. Oh, you know, Yeah, they, yeah. they, they were very. They weren't token. Yeah, they weren't yeah. token. But again, Once were they? So was,
1: was a lot of their stuff more spiritual than specifically
0: issue oriented? I don't know. Well, I mean. There's something about spirituality you can't remove from helping other people because the golden rule is within all religions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, God! (laughs) Hey! There
2: goes my computer. It's okay. It's okay. Let me just read these credits.
0: Did you want to finish your point? No, I was just that. Uh, I think I made my point, and then yeah. and Maybe then JD a... fell out of his seat. My, <laughs> my computer fell off Very the excited.
2: music stand. Everyone, I hope it's okay because Dave, I need it to make a living. Did you get for... yours in? Uh... Oh, no,
3: I'm sorry. I just added. We didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. God, I hate that fucking song. And it's so clearly a desperate
1: grasp at social commentary by just listing shit. Yeah. Actually, I thought about Allentown for this list because it's like his faux Springsteen working class. Yeah, that's he's got not... a good video of
0: dudes watching he's not he's not that and he's not that token though I don't think that, yeah, that, yeah. that he's, he's token he did a lot yeah, especially yeah, on that it album it wasn't token curtain.
2: enough uh, next time Dave are you doing that, that do you want to tease it or just should we just know it's good uh, yeah I mean I don't have the name yet but let's just say it's pretty mild <laughs> <laughs> get ready to get a little mild pfft um, Find this week's Yacht Rock playlist by following me on Spotify. JD I don't really put them up anymore, but give it a shot. Go to YachtRock.com for a very useful experience. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow me on Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Theme by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer... Travis Clark, JD. Travis Clark. He's today. in my Fat Lizzie Tribute Band. And uh, Matt Rousseau is going to be engineering us. I think he's going to mix it up. He's going to drive the train? going to mix it. Uh, not, yeah, you, should, an you should engineer hear this mixer. dude's guitar harmonies. Uh, tight! And that's it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you continue to listen.
1: It's a good show!